0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I want to take the next two or three Sundays and just talk about our focus for this year, not only as a church, but, but to equip you for your own individual life, um, to set you up to have the best year of your life t- yeah. this year, yeah. the best year. Yeah. You know, the scripture says that the path of the righteous is like the... Dawning the lighting, the light of the dawn. You know, it's, it grows brighter and brighter and brighter until the full day, and so that means your life with Jesus is one that should be getting better and yeah. better and right. better, because He is a God who has introduced Himself to us as the God of more than enough, yeah. exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. What that means is there's always more, and God has called us then to never settle for where we are or for where we were, but understand that it's wide open before us and what God is offering to each and every individual on the earth who will believe on him is a future and a hope. Everyone is going into the future, right? Everyone's going into the future. But God says, I'm going to give you a future and a hope. Not everybody's got hope going into the future, but you as a child of God have that gift from God, that gift of hope. And so I want to encourage you in this year to expect it, to expect it, to expect more than enough, to not limit what God can do, not limit what God can do through you, in you, for you, uh, because he's a limitless God. You know, when when the Bible describes what heaven is like, oh my gosh, I mean, they paved their streets with gold there. It's pretty phenomenal. That means he's got lots of resources to bless you with it, and he'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. He didn't supply all your need according to the measure of your need. He supplies your need according to how rich he is. That's why he wants you to understand that your connection with him is one of abundance. It is one of multiplication. It's one of abounding. Amen. So uh, I, I want to just encourage you, and we're going to look at, in the scriptures today at And we're going to see 2020, all right, through the eyes of the Spirit, because the Spirit of God has come. When Jesus told his disciples, it's to your advantage that I go away, Um, and when I go away, I'm going to send the helper, and he is the Spirit of truth. And what he's going to do for you is he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to show you things to come. I love this. Life in the Spirit is never in the dark. It's never lived in the dark. He's going to guide you into all truth, and he's going to show you things to come. See, he is the one who reveals to us everything about God, the secret things of God, the deep things of God. That way we don't have to walk around with all this religious kind of jargon like, well, we don't understand the ways of God. Yes, well, then we got a problem. Right? What's the Spirit of God here to do but to reveal to us this great God? That's why we have these scriptures so that we can know who this God is. Amen. He's not hiding from us. He became a man. Right? He became a man. Born of a virgin. Jesus Christ, the Word became flesh. The Son of God became the Son of Man. Wow. He's really on your side. And you remember that going into this year. Maybe maybe you landed at the end of 2019 um, with your landing gear stuck and you just came skidding into the end of it. (laughs) Hmm? But there's a new launch for you this year. Huh? There's a new experience for you. And, and, And the Lord says in the book of Isaiah, don't dwell on the former things. Huh? Behold, I do a new thing. It's an extraordinary, this God of ours, how he who never changes is always changing things. Yeah. Though he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, yet he's always doing new things. And he wants you to experience those new things, and that's we need him to stay the same yesterday, today, and forever so that we can fully trust him. Because he, he's, he's not going to tell you something and then not do it. He's not going to make a promise and not fulfill that promise. You know, at the end of Joshua's life, who brought the children of Israel into the land of promise that God had promised Abraham 400 plus years prior, as in his, in his dying words, he makes his one last speech to the children of Israel. After all that they had gone through those 40 years, it should have been only about 11 days is that that trip into, but because of unbelief and bringing a bad report, uh, those unbelievers didn't get to go into the land of promise. And so Joshua um, grew old. And, and, and after he conquered all of these, these, these lands and, and drove out the enemies and took him into the land of promise, he's standing before the children of Israel and he says these words Every one of you know that everything that God promised us has come to pass. Not one word of his has failed us. What a testimony. What a testimony. This God of yours can be trusted. So this this coming year, this 2020, and the spirit of truth who's here on your behalf, who is our helper, our comforter, thank God. He is here to help you live the life that God called you to live. And it's a good life. I mean, isn't it good to know Going into a future where we have so many uncertainties that God is on your side. Hmm? God is on well, say that with me today. God is on my side. So what does that mean? It means it don't matter who's against you. You're on the winning side. You cannot and will not lose with him. Amen. John 18:37, Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. And Pilate questions him and he says, are you a king then? And Jesus says, you say rightly that I am a king for this cause I was born. This is an incredible thing that Jesus says here. For this cause I was born and for this cause I what? Came, have come into the world. Jesus is telling him, this is my meaning. I have found my purpose for this cause. And here it is, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. That I should bear witness, or I should testify the truth. Well, we know that as you read the Gospels and uh, about the life of Jesus, his ministry on the earth, you see, especially in the in the Gospel of Matthew, you'll see Jesus doing something, and then these words will follow that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by prophet so and so, Isaiah, David, Joel. I mean, Jonah even, uh, and and because Jesus is the word who became flesh. And so God had declared uh, these things, and men wrote them down, and then when Jesus came, he walked out what had been written of him. And he said to the religious leaders of his day, he says, you search the scriptures, and in them you think you have eternal life, but what you need to understand is that they are they which testify of me. You're missing the man, You're missing me in the Scriptures. I'm the one who can give you eternal life. You're looking for it in a law, in an edict, in a command. But it's the man behind the command. It's the man, me. They're testifying of me. You can't love the Scriptures and hate Jesus. But they did. They testify of me. I'm going to talk more about that on... Uh, Wednesday night. But I want to just remind you of this cause of Christ has become our cause. That's why, uh, based on this verse here, that's why we named our church One Cause Church. We have taken up the cause of Christ and his kingdom. And that is to bear witness of the truth. Because we can stand up here and I can give you my opinion on stuff, which I don't think much of it. And you won't probably think much of it and probably won't get much out of it. But the truth being declared is a whole different experience. Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's a living, real truth that brings real, living freedom. And that truth is his word. As Jesus said in John 17, your word, your What did he say? John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. All right? Your word is truth. Woo, praise God. And Jesus, when he talked about the Holy Spirit coming, he said that the Holy Spirit also would testify of him. So we have the written word that testifies of him. We have the Spirit of God who testifies of him. Now, this is amazing. I'm almost through. Go to Romans chapter 8, if you would, if you bring that up on the board for a moment. Actually, no. John 12. I know I didn't give this to you. John chapter 12, verse 20. What I wanted to say was that Romans chapter 8. It says that you have received a spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, "Abba, Father." This spirit of adoption. This is extraordinary. Has brought a whole new uh, um, understanding. And brought you into a whole new relationship with God that you now have the right to call him Abba Father. This spirit cries out, Abba Father, not big guy in the sky, man upstairs, kind of keep him at a distance. No, Abba Father. And the Spirit himself, the Scripture says, bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. And that's extraordinary to me. When I was growing up, I mean, a lot of the church I grew up in, I've talked about it, and I don't, mean, I don't ever want to denigrate my, my growing up experience especially in the Pentecostal church and all that. I loved the, the hunger for the power of God. Praise God. I didn't care for all the ignorance that went on, but I, I, I love that it instilled in me a hunger for the Holy Spirit and for signs and wonders and anything's possible. Amen. But at the same time, there was just a lot of ignorance. And, um, and one of the, unfortunately, one of the ignorances that I endured was uh, the lack of security in my relationship with God. Everything had to take place at the altar at the end of the service. And the pastor would, oh my God. He would just sell it until everybody was up there. I always thought like if everybody would just come up the first time, we'd all get out of here a lot sooner. But he would just stand up there and just just throw out this stuff and, and, and make me feel like I came to church feeling good and now I'm going, am I going to hell? dangle God's people over hell, make us feel so insecure and so unworthy, and that there was always something wrong with us, and we had to get right with God. Got to get right with God. Got to get right with God. So it came up. It was the same old, same old. But the Spirit bears witness that we are the sons of God. Why aren't the preachers preaching this? Why are they trying to tell us for something else? Because, listen, the enemy... If he knows, if he can get you to be insecure in your identity, then he's got the rest of you figured out. Right. He's got the rest. Then, then you're no match because think about it. He's going to, uh, he's going to attack your identity. He's going to make you question it. He's going to offer thoughts to you. He's going to offer, well, you did this and you know, I, you went too far here. You did this and you did this, this. But here's the thing. You might be really secure here today and and you know that you are a child of God. But somewhere down the road, it's going to get questioned. And that's why you're going to need faith in God and being in tune with the Spirit of God who's bearing witness that you are. Now, if God is telling you you are, that's really all we need to know. But don't forget, Jesus questioned Jesus' identity. He's going to question yours. It, sounds, it seems so dumb to me, the way, Jesus temp, uh, the way the devil tempted Jesus. The Spirit took him out in the wilderness, and this is what the devil says. If you are the Son of God. This is how you're going to start your sentence, like he don't know who he is? Like Jesus is going to go, oh, am I the Son of God? If. I've never even questioned it, but now you offer a new thought. Three times he says, if you are the son of God, if he's going to attack his identity my family, he's going to attack yours. And that's why you need to be grounded in this truth, brought to you by the Spirit. He's there telling you, you are sons of God. As a matter of fact, here's the cry that comes out of your spirit. Abba, Father. Mm. Abba, Father. Everybody say identity. Identity. Because if you don't know who you are, then you cannot possibly know what you're here to do. It's got to start. Your foundation is in your identity in Him. And that's why the Spirit of God is there to help you. Praise God. You are sons of God. I thank God for that. John chapter 12, verse 20. I'll finish with this. Look at this. Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Now, we're going to just, when you see the word Greeks here, I want you to see yourself here, all right? The the Greeks here represent Gentiles, people like us who aren't Jews, all right? McKinianites, or wherever you're from, among those who came up to worship at the feast. Next, verse 21. I'm sorry, we're going to be reading a little bit. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, this Philip's one of Jesus' apostles, and asked him, saying, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now, it's interesting that John takes time here to record this, this seems like a, a useless story. Why is he going into the details about this? Because look, look, he goes, they go to Philip and say, sir, we wish to see Jesus next. Well, then, then, then Philip went and told Andrew. Who cares? Who cares why? Because John says Jesus did so at the end of the Gospel of John he says Jesus did so many more things than this. And I suppose if we'd written all of them down, the world couldn't tame the volumes of the books. But he's taking time to tell this. This is an important story then. Phil goes and tells Andrew. And then uh, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. I think the reason that Philip went and got Andrew is because Andrew seemed to have an evangelistic approach at things. Andrew brought Peter, his brother, to Jesus. Did that not change the world? <laughs> the church. The beginning of everything. Peter was the one who opened that God used to open the door of the gospel to the Gentiles. That was an important move on Andrew. Not very little said of Andrew, but my gosh, that guy's got some eternal rewards. He brought, he's the one who brought the, the lunch, the little boy's lunch to Jesus and said, what is this among so many? And Jesus fed 5,000 people miraculously with five loaves and two fish. Here, Philip goes to get Andrew because Andrew doesn't seem to have any problem bringing people to Jesus. Now, look at this. What's the question that's being asked? There are outsiders who want to see Jesus. They want to have audience with him, Right? So we finally get to this, but Jesus answered them. So apparently they asked the question, saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Put yourself in Philip and Andrew's shoes here for a moment. Is that a yes? All right. That was a nice little poem, Jesus, but what does that have to do with the question? Everything to do with the question. Because the gospel had not been open to the Gentiles yet. But the time was coming. And so Jesus, through this allegory, tells the story. He is the grain of wheat that is going into the ground and dying. But... If it dies, it produces what? Much grain or much of the same thing. He came into the world as the only begotten son of God. My family, he's not the only begotten son of God now. Now, the scripture says, he's the firstborn among many brethren. Woo! See, this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to help us with. Because the seed, God set up a rule, the seed produces after its own kind, if you, if you plant apple seed, you're not going to get anything else but apples, right? right? The seed must produce after its own kind. He was a seed sown by God. This is extraordinary. God sowed his son. Yeah. What can you expect for a harvest? Yeah, right. yeah. If he's going to live by his own laws. Right. Huh? And Jesus is saying, the time's not yet, the hour is right now here for me to be glorified, but you're about to see me all over planet Earth. I'm just one seed, but there's about to be much of me, many sons, praise God, all across the planet. I'm looking at them right here in this room today. You are the product of what happened right here. You know what that means? You are just as much a son of God as Jesus is. Woo! Oh, thank you, Lord. This salvation is For real. It's for real and it's forever. Because if you're not, then the seed didn't quite do the job, but it did. It did. Jesus came to save you to the uttermost and the old things are gone and the new things have come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for that incredible message. That is saving people even to this day. That the gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Thank you. Thank you for the good news that Christ died for our sins. He did that so that we don't have to die from our sins. He died for our sins and he was buried in a tomb. And God raised him from the dead three days later. And here's our response to that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all we can do. That's the only right response. It's the only response that God will allow. The gospel has not even us in it. Christ died for our sins. Well, I guess our our part in it was our sins. Christ died for our sins. Christ was buried. Christ rose again from the dead. That's the beauty of the gospel. Whoever believes on him We'll be saved. Thank you, Lord. And that's the essence of this truth that Jesus came to witness to us. It all starts right there in that message. Christ dying for our sins, being buried, and raising him from the dead. And what that brings and what that means for us, it's immense. Blessing, healing, joy, peace, life. All from that message. Today, I want to encourage you if you've never accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, start this year off a new creation. Start this year off in a right relationship with God. The only way to do that is to put your trust in Jesus, not in yourself, not in your good intentions, because none of that's going to work. It's this exchange. That he, the son of God, became the son of man. That we, the sons of men, could become sons of God. He became sin so that you could become righteousness. Praise God. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Eric, pray for me. I want to be saved today. I want that security that you're talking about. To know that I am not on the outside. I'm not some employee. That I'm a child of God. I want that for my life today. And if that's you, let me just encourage you. I want us to all take this moment now. We're just going to pray together. Now, I can lend you some words to pray. These words are just words until you put your faith with these words, okay? I can't give you faith, but I can give you some words to put your faith in, all right? And that's this. Let me all just pray this. God, thank you that you sent your only son to die for my sins. I thank you that he also was raised from the dead. Because of what he did, I am free from sin and death. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. I believe in Jesus, come into my life, I welcome you, I welcome your spirit to lead me and to guide me into all truth, in Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, praise God. Before we leave here, one more thing, if you're here today and, you, and you're dealing with some kind of sickness or pain in your body, I want you to just raise your hand where you're sitting right now. Or, or maybe you know somebody that is, and you want to just lift them up in prayer. If you would raise your hand here. Um, okay. Because here's the thing. In the same afternoon that blood was shed for our sins, stripes were laid on Jesus back for our healing. All right? Same afternoon, same day. Amen. Just as sure as you are of your forgiveness, you can be sure of your healing. Amen. All right? If you're next to someone who has their hand up, would you just gently lay your hand on them? Because we believe that the, what the Bible says, that when we lay hands on the sick, they recover. We also believe in what Jesus did for us, that he, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That is, he bore our maladies, our anxieties, our calamities, our sicknesses, our diseases, and he bore our physical and our mental pains. It was a complete and a thorough work of healing. So we thank you right now, and by his wounds, by his stripes, these are healed. Thank you for that new covenant, that new and living way cut in the mm, the broken body of Jesus and the shed blood of our Savior. And we call these bodies healed. Of whatever it may be, it's no match for your healing power. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. You sent your word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.